welcome to the joyfulness broadcast so today i want to talk about something that's close to my heart and that is nature the environment now this is something that is very prevalent in society in culture but here's the thing um now how how things are, are portrayed by the media by popular beliefs does not indicate the truth it doesn't mean that it's true just because lots of people believe something just if lots of people believe something is true that doesn't make it true and there are a lot of belief systems about the environment and nature now we could go all into like the whole political debate about it and climate change and not climate change and all these things but i don't I don't think that would be very useful or at least not as useful as something else a different approach instead of creating further division further separation between us let's just take a step back and find the common ground that we all have within our hearts so for most of us when we walk in nature we uh, can appreciate at least somewhat the beauty of it. I say most of us, obviously not everyone, because there's still lots of people that leave rubbish in the national parks and stuff. Now, that's not to curse anyone or to judge anyone, but that's just to say that if someone appreciates nature, they don't leave uh, rubbish there. Because we pick up our rubbish, we take it with us. Why do we do that? Because we appreciate it. We love it. We appreciate the beauty. We want to preserve the beauty. Play our part. Leave nothing behind. Well, we do that because we can value it. So here's something cool. I know often we like like judging or condemning people or cursing. This is definitely something that's reinforced by society. How Don't pick up your rubbish. How like you're the enemy. You're not picking up the un- <laughs> your rubbish. You're the enemy definitely likes to create this division and create enemies but there actually aren't any enemies there are just people like you like me making choices that make sense to them so if someone's leaving rubbish let's really look at that like what's going on there what we tend to do is we tend to get uh, we tend to stop at the appearance or the expression the behavior we say wow look at that person leaving rubbish how awful but if we were to investigate, we would see things very differently. If we were to, what is investigate? Just deepen our gaze. Not necessarily with our eyes, but with our sincerity of heart to understand rather than to judge. Because we cannot understand and judge at the same time. If we're judging something, that indicates we're not completely understanding it. It's not clear to us. Because if it was clear and we did understand it, we wouldn't judge it. There's nothing to judge when something is clearly seen for what it is. So going back to the rubbish example, let's have a look. Okay, someone leaves rubbish. What allows them to leave rubbish? What allows them? Okay, maybe let's say someone's in a rush and they're like, oh, I don't have anywhere to put this. Okay, I'll just put it on the ground. What's the big deal? Like if that action of leaving rubbish... Um, 
in a pristine natural environment if that generated heaps of guilt and heaps of fear or some really bad feeling then that person probably wouldn't do it right but at least for the moment that they do do it that the rubbish is left it's probably fair to say that it's like a dismissed action like if you ask them and you you were to ask them like hey they would just be like what like they wouldn't probably even notice that it was something um something not to do because they just don't know any better of course i'm sure there are also people who just just leave the rubbish on purpose there i'm i can feel that there are those people out there <laughs> who just leave it and if you look at them they're going to be like oh, okay i'll pick it up but there's also some people who will be like oh i don't i don't understand what are you looking at me like that for because they just don't recognize what you're what you're talking about what you're seeing they don't recognize what you're seeing you're seeing it and you're looking at them but they're not seeing it so they're like what the hell's up with this dude or dudette what's what's their problem why are they looking at me like that so if we leave rubbish there's like a variation of options i'm sure there's lots of different perceptions we could have but essentially at the heart of it is that we don't value we don't value or we don't see the beauty around us right we don't see it Now, now when we revisit the same thing as someone leaving rubbish, and we like, okay, now are we, should we punish them? I mean, first of all, when we punish, should we feel bad? Should we say that's awful? Is, is it awful? I mean, they can't see. Oh, I guess what's awful now is the action awful or the fact that they can't see the beauty around them. So with this deeper gaze we start to have a lot more compassion for people because we're like hang on this person's just leaving rubbish because they can't recognize the beauty that's around them i can recognize the beauty i don't leave it behind not because i'm a good person that's the thing like when i am walking when we walk and we pick up rubbish i don't think it makes us a good person it just makes us a kind of person who picks up rubbish. Why do we pick up rubbish? Not because we want to be a good person, at least in my eyes. Not because I want to be a good person, but because I can't stand it. <laughs> I just can't help myself. I can't help myself. I can see it. I'm like, okay, may as well. Like, someone has to. It's sort of the way I see it is, hey, you know, we're all in this together. Someone's going to have to pick up the rubbish. I'm right next to it, right here, right now. May as well be me. Like, that has nothing to do with being a good person. <laughs> I, ah, I don't know about that whole good person thing, because it tends to put people up on a pedestal. Like, hey, you're such a holy individual, so righteous. I'm not righteous, not holy. <laughs> I mean, we're all sacred, we're all divine, we're all, we all have that holy self within us. But in terms of just living, living our lives, not like tippy-toeing on... <laughs> Oh man, a great joke just came to mind. Um, it was when I was speaking to, just about this point, which will demonstrate it really well. When I was speaking to Fran Grace, Power of Love episode, if you haven't seen that one, would highly recommend, uh, listen, if you haven't listened to that one, highly recommend. It's way back, way back. If you go to the very start, it's the Power of Love episode, maybe like episode 20 or something like that, even before then. And there was something, <laughs> made a joke, um, and it's, along the lines of 
you know you imagine like what what do you say when a brick hits your foot <laughs> oh dear god dearest god this brick has has hit in my foot or do you say shit <laughs> you know you're just like ah oh, crap ow fuck that hurts you know there's no need to put ourselves on this pedestal it's all right to be human being human is pretty awesome being human is pretty awesome we're all if we can see ourselves in others and we can see others in ourselves that's probably going to be the greatest benefit to mankind rather than to seeing others as holy than thou or ourselves as holier than thou what's the point of that we're all the same we all have the same potential within us as uh, the Dalai Lama would put, we all have the same innate potential. We can all be what we see. If we see something, it means we recognize it. It means we've been being inspired by it. And if we've recognized it, it means we already have that capacity within us. Because if we can't recognize something, if it weren't for the fact that that's something we recognize already exists within us. We can't experience happiness if happiness doesn't already exist within us. How could we experience it if it wasn't already there? How could we experience peace if it wasn't already there? Whatever we experience is already there. I know it sounds really like simplistic, maybe a bit abstract, but really let's just be with that for a little, little moment. Whatever we experience is already there. And what happens is we experience something and we say, oh, it's coming from that person. That person is inspirational, but actually we're experiencing our own capacity for greatness our own kindness. We're experiencing it when we're recognizing it in the other person. Now, that's just something really cool. However, hey, it goes both ways, right? If we recognize the kindness and the beauty, we also, if someone's doing something that we say is awful, guess what? We've experienced that. So it means that, that capacity exists within us and we've recognized it with the other, within the other person or we've projected it onto the other person. I want to try to use terminology that's easy to understand. Um, we experience, okay, let's say we see something and we don't like it. And we're like, yeah, we experienced that. We experienced that, right? So that was within us. But what we saw triggered that. Now, someone else would see the same thing and they would, wouldn't bat an eyelid. They might not even bat an eyelid. They wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't experience any awfulness. So that awfulness that we think is coming from the other person that we've labeled awfulness is actually our own we've experienced that and so there's nothing wrong with that either there's nothing wrong with anything of course however we have been conditioned from a very young age to think there is a wrong and a right a good and a bad and categorize everything and moralize everything and feel really bad about ourselves if we act in a certain way now there's no need to feel bad about ourselves whatsoever i don't i don't want anyone to feel bad i don't know about you i mean we all want to feel good right so why not Let's all feel good. Thing is, when we feel good, we're going to do the things that make us feel good and not do the things that don't make us feel good. Guess what? Feels feels good to pick up rubbish. <laughs> it feels good to, to help others. It feels good to be kind to ourselves. It feels good to be kind to others. It feels good to be kind to the planet. It feels good to be connected with the rivers, with the forests, with the sky. It feels good to be connected with our fellow human beings it feels good to be connected with everyone it doesn't feel very good to not be connected to not feel connected because we're always connected whether we're aware of it or not 
but it feels really good to be aware of that connection and to honor that connection and to acknowledge that connection. It all feels really good. So what does this have to do with righteousness? It has nothing to do with righteousness. You could sort of take this approach of total selfishness. I mean, I challenge, um, I invite you to actually play around with that a little bit. The, the selfish approach saying, okay, what's the most beneficial thing for me to do right now? That's totally, it's totally selfish. It would be totally selfish for me to do this. And when, when I asked that, it'd be like, well, I want to feel really good, right? Okay, well, what makes me feel really good? You know, probably helping others, um, being of service, surrendering, letting things be. Feels really good. When I don't want to feel really good, that also feels really good. So when I let go of expectations. <laughs> yeah, anyway, these are some very fun experiments to play around with. What does this all have to do with the environment? What does this all have to do with nature? Well, we can't talk about the environment. We can't talk about anything if we don't talk about, if we don't address perception, right? Perception's at the heart of the way we experience life. If we don't address it, we're missing a critical component. So we sort of had to, let's say, lay the foundations of perception to realize that however we see things is just how we see things it's coming from within us. If we're feeling something about someone, it's nothing to do with them. It's everything to do with us. We don't even see that person as they were. If we saw someone as they really were, there'd just be clarity. What does that have to do with feeling bad? In my own experiences, anytime I see something as it truly is, or I see something with great clarity, there's just peace and laughter maybe. <laughs> um, not feeling bad for myself or the other person. There's just peace, clarity, love, love. So perception is very important. And it's also very important to recognize that we have all these beliefs that are very popular in the world. And there's lots of ways of seeing the environment and seeing ourselves in the world that have been reinforced by society and that we're probably not even aware of, that we aren't even aware of. It's also important to recognize that there's all this stuff that we're not aware of. If we don't recognize that there's stuff that we're not aware of, unless you're enlightened, unless you're living in this perfect peace, perfect stillness, then there are things that you're not aware of. There are things that I'm not aware of. <laughs> there, it actually amazes me how many things there are that I'm not aware of. Like, it's, it's absolutely astounding. It's like just when you think you got it, nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. So... That doesn't have to be a sad thing, a bad thing. It can be a fun thing. Be like, wow, you know, like it's like a like a game of ping pong, like a game of tennis with life. You're just playing, just having fun, just enjoying it. Especially if you're aligned with surrender. You know, I'm going a bit all over the place right now, but this will all come together. Um, if, if you're aligned with surrender, right? Imagine it's like, I want to surrender to whatever's in front of me. Okay, so life's like, okay, well, I'll bring up this. Are you willing to surrender this? And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll surrender that. And then you keep going and eventually you hit a stumbling block and be like, wow, that's a difficult one to surrender. But alas, you keep going and surrender that one and then the next one comes up. So it's like a fun game. It's a fun game. Also, just a side note, for anyone that's been with these podcasts for a while, if you've, um, if you're stumbling into a lot of, feelings of difficulty that's actually a sign of progress not regress you're going in the right direction 
because if you're watching, if you're listening to this, it's a podcast literally called Joyfulness Broadcast. So you're probably interested in joy, right? Your intention, your alignment is with joy, with happiness, with peace. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to me rambling for 16, 30 minutes. <laughs> um, so your intentions align with that, right? Um, and what we think happens is we just, we just say, ah, there you go. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Um, now, joy is already within us. Peace is already within us, right? So there's no way to go. There's no there. We already are that. We already are that. And what happens is life moves us or we move through all the obstacles. When we align ourselves with the joy, what we're really agreeing to is to move through all the obstacles, to become aware of and to let go of all the obstacles to joy. The process, that process is, the whole process is to become aware of that which isn't joy and letting it go, understanding it, inquiring into its source. So when you're bumping up against all these difficult, icky things, you're going in the right direction because <laughs> you're aware of these things. They were there anyway, but you're aware of them. That's why, and, and it's like discomforting and, and icky and, and there's fear and there's shame and there's guilt and whatever it is for you, that's beautiful. You're moving in the right direction. You're moving through the icky obstacles to joy. And as you move through them, they pass. And eventually, sooner or later, whatever you're aware of with surrender will be surrendered. Might not know how, might not know when, but I can guarantee you that with persistence, it will be surrendered, be released. Everything passes. Everything passes. So hopefully those are just some affirming words, you know, on the right track, you're doing really well already. You're already doing your best. That's another thing to realize already doing your best already doing your best at any moment we can only do our best we can always grow at the same time so we can always deepen surrender deepen in humility but at the same time at any moment we're already as deep as we as we can be for that moment <laughs> so there's no need to ever be guilty or push ourselves or pressure ourselves to be other than what we are because we're already on, on it, we're already on it, we're already being pulled, because what pulls us is our intention, actually, my own experience, it's, it's our intention, more than it is our efforts, our efforts are valiant, it's a great thing to have a powerful will to go through things, even when they're difficult, it's a great commendable thing, but to me, the way I see it, is what pulls me is my intention, so that no matter what, no matter what happens, I know that my intention to live in undisturbed joy, or to to live in the presence, to unravel all the obstacles to the presence of the peace of God, that is already there. That's already what I am. And I'm just being moved through or moving through. I am moving through all the obstacles to that. And so sooner or later, everything will dissolve and there will only be this presence or the awareness of this presence. So I take that as a certainty. I just know it. Um, so that no matter whether the efforts are strong on one day, weak on the other, it doesn't matter because in the long run, it's all gonna, it's all the same. In the long run, it's all the same. The destination's the same. The amount of time it takes, maybe it'll take a little longer, maybe it'll take a little shorter, but the destination is the same. So that's just some information that tends to bring peace. Just sit without yourself. You don't have to believe me, but just really recognize that within yourself. Okay. 
Now, maybe some of you were like, what the heck was that on about? If you've just first time listening to the podcast, maybe that didn't make much sense. Or maybe it did. Either way, returning back to the nature and the environment thingy-majiggy. So perception deceives us very often. And if lots of people believe something, probably that means that there's some degree of error in it. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, just looking at the history of of humanity, you know, there's lots of things we believe for lots of lots of periods of time. And I read this quote, which to me sums up what the real uh, solution is to the problems that we are facing on an environmental level. The real uh, solution is not an external one. It's not how many trees we plant. Because if we don't change the way we see nature, if we don't change the way we approach life, then we can, we can patch things up. We're really good at patching things up, right? Our society is it's great at patching things up. But patching things up is not changing the root of the problem, the root of the issue. We have to address the root. And the root is the very way we see ourselves in life. The way we see ourselves and nature. We see ourselves and nature as two separate things. So just to me is the, is the, is the root of it. We see it as separate. We see, like, even people who are spiritual, mindful, whatever category they want to put themselves under, (laughs) um, everyone, right? Most people, sure, they like nature, but they wouldn't identify with nature. Most people wouldn't identify with a tree. Like, they wouldn't consider that to be themselves, a part of them, or them, intimately. Not as a concept, not talking about ideas, because maybe we hear... Because we might hear, okay, like now in science, like we know all this stuff about trees and how important they are, great. We have all this abstraction, all these conceptualization, great. But guess what? The Native Americans didn't. But what they did have was a this heart-to-heart connection, this just knowingness, that, that this obviousness, that, that nature was was a part of them. Not without any facts, without any statistics, just they could see it. And that's what we're missing. We have all these facts. We have all these conceptualizations about how important it is and stuff. And yet nothing changes in in a grand scheme of things, like in the sense of our attitudes, the way we perceive life. It doesn't change with all these stats because we have to go beyond the head for this. We have to go into our hearts and we have to really question and say, what am I to life? What is life to me? What is my connection to nature? What is nature's connection to me? Are we really separate? Or are we intertwined? And to be, not be satisfied with concepts. Oh, I am the tree because the tree breathes oxygen and I uh, puts out oxygen and I breathe in oxygen. Therefore, I am the tree. That conceptual understanding is all right. Like it's the it's a stepping stone. It's an important stepping stone actually. So it's an important stepping stone. But ideally, what we want to move into is an embodiment of that knowledge, that intimate. Like intimate meaning experiential. Experiential meaning you look outside and you see that tree. You see that it is alive. You really see that it's alive. 
you see that it's swaying, it's dancing. It's not swaying, it's dancing. If you don't see that, you're not connected with the aliveness, <laughs> the aliveness of life. If you can't see that it's alive, you're not connected with it. I, I, okay, the mind's going to say, but how do I know if it's alive? You know, you can see it. And if you don't see it, that's okay. But it means that you can't see it. That's all. And if we are to really solve all these problems or to, if we are to change things, let's forget problems, fixing, solving things. If we're to change things from the course they're on right now, we have to change them at the root. That's the only way that we're going to change them. And the root of it is this. We cannot see that nature is alive. We cannot see that it's a part of us. We cannot see that it is us. We cannot see it. We walk around blind, completely blind, ignorant, like horses with blinders on. We don't see what's around us. We're so, so caught up in our own stories. We're so caught up in just distractions, escapes, entertainment, endless entertainment. I'm not talking about Netflix. I'm talking about the entertainment of the mind. Netflix, maybe it's a small part, but the primary part is not Netflix. Netflix is awesome. I love Netflix. <laughs> I love Netflix. But the entertainment I'm talking about is the entertainment of the mind, all these stories that the mind constantly gives us, the dramas, and we never question it. We just take it for face value. We take it for appearance. We never question it. And how can we expect to see things differently if we're not willing to? And it comes down to that willingness. That's what willingness means. It means we have to be willing to really look at the things we don't want to look at. We have to be willing to question the things we don't want to question. We have to be willing to question the things we're attached to. Why are we attached to this? Now, this can be done in different ways. There's like a sheer will approach. There's also a more gentle approach, which I'm more of a fan of. The gentle approach where we just start getting curious with ourselves to be like, hey, you know, hang on. Okay, maybe I don't have to change anything. Let's not change anything, but hey, let's understand. Let's look at things. I don't have to look at things I don't want to. Okay, cool. But let's start with the things I, I'm willing to look at. Because right now there's something, and there is something, and if you look within yourself, there's something you're willing to explore. So just start with that and explore that. And look to really deeply and intimately understand it. And how do you do this? There's no how-tos. It's totally intuitive. All the books that you read, they all guide you within. That's the whole point of them. If it's a good book, it's guiding you within. So at some point, we put the book down and we start asking the question ourselves. Whatever question pops into mind, we ask it with sincerity. We ask it with genuine curiosity. We ask it like we really want to know. Because if we ask it half-heartedly, we're not going to get an answer. It's not going to be clear. It has to be sincere. It has to be curious. A genuine curiosity. So we can look at all our perceptions, all the way we see things, all the things that we're afraid of, all the feelings that are there, and we can just start to ask questions, whatever comes to mind. Where did this come from? Why? What am I? Why am I here? And just follow this thread of questions until they lead us home within ourselves to the complete clarity of the truth. And that truth will allow us to intimately be connected with nature because we can only see nature to the degree we see ourselves. We can only see what's re what nature really is, what the trees really are, what the birds really are. Um, 
to the degree we see ourselves. Let me share a story just to exemplify this point. Um, so after my second ayahuasca drinking, uh, I remember I woke up after it and I just saw like a parrot. I saw a bird just fly, just I just saw it fly through the tree. I was just sitting down outside. There was no sense of, there was a very little sense of time. <laughs> um, even after the intensity, had, the intense experience, the tripping balls part was over. Even after that, there was still just this beautiful space, very surrendered space. And I just looked at, I uh, just looked outside, just and everything was alive. It was just so, so alive. And this this bird just flew, and I just looked out, and I just I'm like, wow. In just silence, I just recognized. There it was in front of me the whole time, and I didn't notice. That's how beautiful, that's how profound nature really is. Life really is. That it's there, it's right here, right now. But we just don't notice it. <laughs> we just don't notice it. Because to a certain extent, we don't want to. We're unwilling. Why are we unwilling? Because there's all this fear. But why is it all this fear? Why do we hold on to it? Because we believed it. We haven't come to question the fear. Where is it coming from? What is it truly about? At some point, it helps to start walking into it. And it does take immense courage to walk into fear rather than away from it. But everyone's got that courage within them. Everyone already has it. It's just about recognizing that it's there by pointing out curiosity. Hey, getting like, hey, what is this all about? I mean, if I'm running from it, I may as well understand it. You know, I can continue running from it if I, once I understand it, but let's at least understand it, just so I have some sort of clear idea about what I'm running from. <laughs> um, so there is this gentle approach. I know I sort of made it sound like it's very tough and ordealing a few minutes ago, but it doesn't have to be. It can be very gentle, very easy, very simple. It doesn't have to be hard, and this great ordeal can be just gentle, gentle. What's the next thing? What am I going to explore? And that is what is going to really help us change our structure, our value system as a society, because we're going to have to change our values. That's where these things start. We can't recognize the beauty. We can't recognize the sacredness that surround us. And that's why we litter. That's why we te tear down forests. Because if we recognize that we were about to tear down divinity, no one would ever go through with it. <laughs> you would see it and you'd be like, what? You want me to tear? Are you crazy? A million dollars? What? Are you crazy? No, no amount of money. This is divinity we're talking about. Like, can you not see it? But the native-based peoples did see it. So Native Americans, Aboriginals, Islanders, they did see it. Hawaiians, the New Zealand, New Zealanders. There's this Native American quote I read that's so beautiful. Wow, really profound. Um, let me see if I can actually bring it up because I actually do like to be accurate when I can be. Blah, blah, bloop, bleep, blah, blah. You must... Give to the river the kindness you would give to any brother. I mean, how amazing is that quote, right? Amazing. 
must give to the river the kindness you would give to any brother. That is how sacred nature, life, all of life was to Native Americans. We do not see things the same way. We see nature as a resource. Even now, why do people plant trees? For carbon sequestration, because it takes in, sucks in carbon. I challenge that so strongly. <laughs> Is that really why trees are valuable to you? I don't even believe that. I don't believe that people believe that, that, uh, that trees are valuable because they suck in carbon. Bullshit. No, they don't. That's not why they're valuable. Sorry, not, no, they don't. That's not why they're valuable, at least to me. And I don't believe that in people's hearts, I don't believe that that's why they value trees either. It's because trees are beautiful and because they're a part of life. And for some reason, there's an unexpected, <laughs> unexpected beauty and reverence. Just even a tinsy-wincy bit that all of us have to nature, to trees. For some of us, it's really clouded, okay? For some of us, I'm not going to deny it, definitely, okay? There's lots of us, and it's really clouded, we can't see. But for most, for many of us, for the ones that do care about the environment, enough to listen to these things, and I think everyone cares about the environment, right? Everyone wants to live. Everyone, we can all agree that everyone wants to continue to live, okay? Like, most people want to continue Right? Regardless of their approach, maybe they want to do coal mining, they want to do this mining, they want to do solar power, whatever. They're doing what they think is best for humanity, right? Otherwise, why would they be so passionate about it? Why would they spend so much energy about it if they didn't care? They obviously care about something. They care about life and they're expressing it. It's just that their approach is different. So we all care about life. There's, that There is that care. It's just that we haven't questioned our approach. <laughs> we must be willing to question every approach. I'm talking every approach. I'm not just talking about uh, coal, coal and fossil fuels. I'm talking about solar. I'm talking about everything. Question it to the core. Everything. Is this really it? Do I really value trees for the common? Because guess what? This is why this is a... I don't like this one, or not like it. It just seems a bit silly to me. It's probably more accurate, yeah. It seems a bit silly to me, the whole carbon tree thingy. Because um, if trees were really just valuable for their carbon emissions, or carbon intake, then we could, by that logic, tear down forests and replant them, replant even more trees, right? And there'd be nothing wrong, because we would, um, by the numbers, there would be the same amount of carbon. Same amount of carbon intake. Or maybe we could even build machines. We could build machines that intake the carbon. If that's really what we think of trees. We can build machines that can do that. We can. Of course we can. So is that really why we value trees? So let's say trees, they no longer, we no longer needed trees to take in carbon. We could do it ourselves. We could build these big massive machines that did it for ourselves. Or small machines, nuclear powers, plants or something that operated at a really high temperature that could take in carbon and uh, turn it into some fuel. Fuel, yeah. I remember when I was in physics, um, studying physics, I wanted to, I was really interested in these reactors, these nuclear modular, modular nuclear reactors that would take in carbon, CO2, and they would actually take it in and turn it into fossil, fossil fuels um, because they operate at a really, really high temperature. It was all conceptual and stuff, but I was really interested in it and there was some research on it. Um, so there, these things are feasible, 
So let's say trees, we no longer need them for carbon. Does that give us, are we now interested in just cutting down all trees? They're like, okay, bye, we don't need trees anymore, bye-bye. To me, the, the reason trees are valuable is because they're beautiful. And I think that's what everyone sees. They're beautiful. It's a part of life. We can see it. It's right there. Sometimes we only see it a little bit, but we can still recognize it. If we are to really change the way we see nature, then what would be really interesting is to come to a point where we can say, you're not cutting, I don't want you to cut this tree down, not for the carbon, not for any measurable reason, not for any reason I give you that you might even understand. But I'm not going to let you cut this down because this is a sacred, divine expression of God, of nature. Because it's divinity. And I can see it. It's right there. It's really beautiful. And I know that in your heart, somewhere, you can see it too. So let's just take our time and let's just investigate. Like, okay, like, I don't think you're the enemy, you know? You're here with your tractor. You want to bulldoze these trees. You're just making a living, trying to make a buy in this world. I understand that. I don't want to cause you any harm. But at the same time, I don't want to... I don't want any harm to come to this tree because it's just like you and me. And then we can have a conversation. We can have an open conversation, but it has to come from a point of respect. It has to come from a point of compassion and understanding. But what's happening right now with the whole narratives that I hear, at least, it's so much division. So much division. How can we make any progress if there's division? <laughs> Obviously, we have to come to some sort of mutual starting point and work from that right we can't why do we need enemies who needs enemies no one's an enemy everyone's doing their best even the people who are running these fracking oil fields they're doing their best right they have here's a really this is a quite a powerful one for the people that say you should do better to these people the fracking oil fields or any of these oil companies, coal companies, fossil fuels, they say, you're evil, how dare you? I challenge you to step into the shoes of a CEO running for that company. Because guess what? When you're a CEO, you've now got different st stakes. Your, your context's different. You've got, you're answerable to the shareholders. It's now your fiduciary responsibility to answer to the shareholders. You've got to do what is good for the company. And at the same time, okay, you care about the environment, but at the same time, you've also got this. So you've got, it's really challenging. And I think the last person that will help that, the last thing that will help that person in that difficult situation is for us to call them bad, enemy. How dare you? That's just going to, automatically, there's going to be this part of them that's just going to ingrain them further and be like, who these people don't know me? Because that's true, they don't. They don't understand. What really helps is understanding, to be like, hey, like, is there any way we could help? Can you imagine that if people say, hey, it's tough there, okay, is there any way we could help? I mean, that's obviously what's going to help. But right now, there's so much division, so many enemies, everyone's making an enemy of everyone. This political side, that political side, this belief system, that belief system, belief system, politics, none of that really matters. What matters is truth. And the truth will be revealed when we investigate it. 
and we can investigate it together. And that's the only resolution to any of our problem. If we want to change something, it's the only way to go about it. Anyway, I hope that gives some food for thought to just question these narratives, but in a compassionate way, you know, genuinely question with, with curiosity, with kindness, coming to a place of understanding about the other person, not to make them an enemy, not to judge them, not to fit them into some sort of box, but to just understand, to see, really see things from their shoes. Simple, what Jesus taught, right? See things from their shoes. Another great one. You see, why do you see the, the splinter in your brother's eye, but you do not see the beam in your own? If we're seeing a problem in someone, that means that it's something within us. If we're seeing something we don't like within someone, it's something we're seeing within, within us. We're recognizing it because it's within us. We couldn't recognize it if it wasn't within us. So let, if we just focus on ourselves and understanding and questioning and dissolving everything in warm acceptance, love, compassion, that will naturally lead to the resolution of all our problems in the most peaceful, compassionate, helpful, life-affirming way possible. And life will be on our side when we let it when we align with our, ourselves with life. But even all lots of these environmental people, I'm going to say that a lot of them are not aligned with life. They're, they're aligned with their cause, with their belief systems. And they get so angry, so infuriated. And that's okay. But that doesn't help. What helps is to go through that anger. It's okay if there's anger there, but let's go through it. Let's question it. Let's understand it. Let's welcome it. Let's give it space. Let's love it. <laughs> let's see what happens. And let's come to understand life as it really is and not as, it, not as we see it, not as we think it is. And why do we need these causes? Why do we need belief systems? Forget belief systems. Let's just align ourselves with truth. That's all we need. Align ourselves with truth. Anyway, this is just a particularly potent uh, thingy-majiggy that's quite... Um, resonates a lot with me it within me uh, is this whole stuff about nature and if you really want to change uh, to help the world i think the, in terms of the natural environment even in terms of planting trees that's great that's really nice but what's most essential talking about what's most essential here is to change our perception the way we see the world the way we relate to nature and so if you really want to change if you really want to help the environment there's nothing you have to do maybe you can maybe there will be stuff you will have to do maybe there will be actions but the first thing to do let's put it that way the first most essential thing is to change the way we see nature to really wait a minute just full stop to actually see nature as it is to see ourselves as we are so then we can navigate everything and what i'll leave you with is an invitation to just contemplate the, the quote that I gave earlier, uh, you must give to the river the kindness you would give to any brother. Now, what does it mean to contemplate just quickly a couple minutes? It means to just hold it in mind, right? So be like, wow, you must give to the river the kindness you would give to any brother. What is the meaning? What is the full meaning of that? What perception of the world allowed someone to say that? How did they see things? How can I come to see things that way? And the more you just bring it to mind throughout the day, 
with just this sincere openness and willingness to re-perceive life through the lens of this of this meaning behind the quote, the more it will just happen spontaneously. So contemplation is very, to me, intertwined with prayer. You're, it's sort of like you're praying to understand and see this. So it's also coming from a surrender. So you read it, and if you don't quite understand it, or maybe you do, but you feel like there might be a bit more to it, then you open yourself to it and you say, hey, like I can see what I see right now. Is there more that I'm not seeing? Or I'm not quite understanding this. Lord, please help me see this as it truly is. And then surrendering it, letting it go. And just holding it in mind. It's really powerful stuff, contemplation. You can also meditate on it if you'd like, but contemplation is is a very nice, very nice. Thank you very much for listening. I know this was a bit of a long one. I will be putting out, I just wanted to put this one out today because I did read this quote today. Um, but I'll be putting out some, I've got like a few, quite a few interviews um, that I'll be turning into episodes. I'll put up and feel free to let me know. Um, you can reach out to me. Last episode, I left my WhatsApp you can find me somehow if you really want to. <laughs> uh, reach out to me and let me know uh, how do you like these ones and what do you have a preference or do you like both? Do you like when I just speak or do you prefer when I speak with someone? Do you prefer interviews? Do you prefer conversationals with people? Do you like a mix of all of them? Let me know. I'd love to hear your feedback so I can make this podcast into what you would like it to be. Thank you very much.